This is One North Stories. Our goal here is quite simple. We provide hyper-local, brand-based storytelling at the intersection of science, technology, and business here in Singapore with a global perspective. We are starting with a launch series focused on technology startups, and then plan to take the podcast broader, telling our stories, your stories, about the Singapore deep tech ecosystem. Whether you work as a venture capitalist on Sand Hill Road or in Southeast Asia, already doing R&D in Singapore, or perhaps a student dreaming big about technology, or someone in between. Join us to learn about the exciting technology being developed in our labs in Singapore, their translation journeys to market, and the inspirational people coming together to make yesterday's dream reality. If you have future episode ideas, segment ideas, or want to partner with us on this exciting journey, please get in touch. Our contact details are in the show notes. These are our stories. We hope they inspire you to create your own. And now, on to the show. We like to see many fish fat related products in the market so that people start to realize, oh, fat is actually really good. In terms of the pathogens, we can say, yeah, it's zero. And microplastic, it can be zero. For heavy metal, it can be very minimal, much lower than those found in the world. I believe that in fact, like this fat, right, cultivated fat, is for everyone. It's not only for vegans. Not only cultivated meat, not only like plant-based meat. So many other products that require fat content. We want to see how we can actually create impact into the whole food industry. For this launch episode, I've sat down with Shigeki and Mandy from Impact Fat, a Singapore food tech company. Founded out of the Institute of Molecular and Cell Biology, ASTAR, they are cultivating cell-based fish fat to reduce our reliance on farmed fish. They've established several cell lines, growing stem cells in quantity, and then converting them into mature fat cells. Currently, they're working to establish pilot production at the kilogram level. Shigeki is a scientist entrepreneur, and prior to Impact Fat, Mandy was a traditional F&B entrepreneur in the B2C space. They share about the need for good fat in our diet, regardless of your dietary choices, finding the right products and partners to get to market. What is cultivated fish fat and why cultivated fish fat? Pathogens, zero. Microplasticity, zero. Heavy metal, much, much less, with less environmental impact compared with traditional farming. On to the interview. Welcome to One North Stories. I'm here at Daystar Central to learn about Impact Fat. I'm here with Mandy and Shigeki, our two co-founders. Maybe we can get right into it. Please introduce yourselves. Maybe Shigeki first, your background. Yes, so my name is Shigeki. I'm actually a scientist by profession at the ESTA, one of the institutes at ESTA, IMCB. And uh, I had a you know, major in agricultural chemistry from Kyoto University in Japan. And then I went to United States to get my PhD on fat metabolism and then went on to do the postdoc research in you know, also the fat physiology and you know, metabolic diseases. And then I came to Singapore 12 years ago. And since then, I've been working at the ASTAF, mainly focusing on the fat and stem cell research. Okay, so first it was agriculture. So was that, let's say, your first love, food, vegetables? 
I was interested in some agricultural aspects, but more in the chemistry aspects of the food. So that's why I majored in agricultural chemistry. But what I ended up with was uh, doing a research in a fermentation that time. So we, I was yeah, quite interested in how to, you know, make uh, fermentation products like beer and some, you know, alcohol products that time. But actually what I found is yeah, we study the last study a lot in the cell biology using the yeast. So that's the start of the research on cell biology and biochemistry. Okay, thanks. And Mandy, your background. Hi. How did you get here? <laughs> yeah, so I'm Mandy. So I'm like Dr. Shigeki here. So I'm not a scientist here. So I'm, a, I'm more of a food person and I'm also more involved in business aspects of for the past like 10 years, I would say, especially in the F&B industries. So I started by like, I graduated from um, pharmaceutical science last time. And after I graduated and I went into the workforce and I went into like pharmaceutical industry and all. But after that, I realized that business is really something that I want to know more about. So I went to study international business again. So after that, I ventured into F&B businesses by chance. Basically, actually, it's because of my passion as well. So I love coffee. So I went into coffee industry. And ever since I've been staying in the industry for about 10 years, so yeah, so basically I have I have quite a couple of experience in entrepreneurship. So I have started up quite a couple of coffee shops, FMB businesses, and also helped to advise a lot of companies in Singapore, in Malaysia, and in China as well. So coffee, fermentation, cell biology, and now we're at fish fat. So impact fat, you guys are a cultivated fish fat company. Maybe we can start by defining, or you guys defining, what is fish fat? And then what is cultivated fish fat? So the cultivated fish fat is the entire, you know, new idea of making the fat. So we actually make uh, fat, you know, specifically speaking, the fat cells, right? We make out of the fish cells. So traditionally fish fat, you know, you see in different forms. The first you see the, some of the fat as part of the fish fillet. Yeah. As a food. Or second, you see a fish oil that is extra extracted from the fish animals. We actually find a new way of making the fish fat, you know, which is you know, cultivating the cells and then make the fat cells right out of the fish okay. cells. So out of the fish cells. So technically not vegetarian. Yes, so that is also an interesting definitions problem. Yeah. So we think we should, you know, come up with a new name. Yeah. Right now, I think the convenient word is the flexitarian. Flexitarian. But okay. yeah, it could be a hybrid product. It may not be exactly the vegetarian, but we can make out of the cells instead of out of the animals. Out of the animals, okay. So I think one of the things for this, it's like, I mean, strictly speaking, it's not vegetarian, right? We all know. But I, I think this one, it's more of like, you know, one of the reasons, one of the key things, it's also the ethical issues. So because why we say that we should come up with a new brand new category for this is because, right, this is like, we, we create something that is from animals, but without killing of animals. So yeah, that's something that is totally different, a new idea. And also it fit in a lot of like, you know, the categories for vegans as well. Some of the vegans uh, actually belong to the ethical vegans yeah. side. So even the product that's not strictly vegetarian, but they can accept it. So yeah, I think um, flexitarian, it's really good. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I mean, it's about healthy eating and yeah. then not harming animals. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
So impact, sorry, impact that quite new still, about one year old. Can you share with us your, your founding story? Maybe starting with how, how you two met, or maybe take a step back before you met, what, what were you looking for in, in bringing the cultivated fish fat to market? Yeah, actually there are six co-founders besides six. us. Yes, and uh, Mandy can share a bit how we met each other. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so basically, yeah, just like what Dr. Shigeki mentioned, we have six co-founders, but the company actually is started by Dr. Shigeki. So I think he can share a little bit later on on his vision and like why he actually started to have this idea of doing this. Although we just like, you know, incorporated last year, but this is not exactly new. So the research has started on since like two to three years ago. So Dr. Shigeki already had the vision on like, you know, this is something that we really want to do and all this. And he started on this research in his team. Yeah, in ASTAR, a few years back. Yeah, so only last year when the technology is more mature and we actually like spin off as a company so that we are able to move on to scale up and also to commercialization phases. So how do we met? That's a very interesting question. So basically, uh, I know one of the co-founders, another co-founder in the team, which is Dr. Lemony. So we were past previous schoolmate and yeah, and we were still keeping in touch over the years and by chance that he shared with me about impact that about everything, you know, what they are doing and what what they want to do in the future as well. And it resonated to me very, very closely because I was in F&B industry, right? Yeah. So like sensory is really important for me. So whenever they talk about texture, they talk about what they want to do for like meat, how they want to improve in taste, it resonates to me. Like, you know, this is something that I concern about in my food and like my business in F&B. So yeah, so actually... I can see where ImpactFair wants to go and I can see how I can contribute to it and to help ImpactFair to go to the next stage. That's how we actually come together. Yeah. Okay. So it was not like a business matching session yeah, or exactly. entrepreneur matching. Okay. Yeah. So maybe then, then going back to the technology that you were developing in the Institute, what was the inspiration for that? And then how did you know like it was the right time a year ago? Okay, now we need to kind of incorporate the company and you know, start going commercial as opposed to staying in the lab, in the RI. Yeah, so I have been working on fat research over 20 years since my PhD. And I realized actually fat is really good and necessary for your health. But only the negative aspect of the fat is, has been emphasized in the past. Of course, there is also bad fat, but there is also a very good fat. You actually need the fat as part of your nutrition. We also need yeah, some fat part in your body. So my long-term goal for my research activities has been the creations and also you know trying to trying people to realize the fat is actually good and some you know essential for our health. So when we started to work on fish fat you know, about three years ago, I thought that, you know this is kind of the game changer, you know, one of the way to encourage the people to take more fat, you know, the good fat. And that is why yeah, we are interested in, you know, starting this research. And then we incorporated and spun off the impact part last year. Okay. So, so last year, do you guys have investors yet? Maybe can you share again, how was that process in, in spinning out of the RI in terms of, let's say, getting initial funds and maybe a bit about the licensing of the technology out of the RI? So we started with our own capital to start up the company. But yeah, as soon as we incorporated, we were fortunate to have a big idea ventures. 
to yeah, fund us as part of the seed round funding. And they also had a very good training program for us to you know, learn all the startup activities related to how to run a business and so on in the alternative protein okay. industry. I mean, but on the alternative protein industry, because I, I can understand this is not your first show. It's not your first business. It's not your first startup. So how is, let's say, the alternative protein maybe a bit different than what you've tried before? So in terms of the technical aspects, so I have been actually working on more towards the human, you know, fat, and then use a mouse fat as animal models, and mainly in a biomedical right, and therapeutics approach. So it was, yeah, very different applications. But yeah, at that time, we, I already realized we actually need a good, you know, fat cells in our bodies. And that is you know, necessary for maintaining our health. So that is our start. Okay. But quickly, I, you know, find it out when I learn about alternative meat field, I saw that this has a big potential. And speaking of the alternative meat, actually there are lots of research, you know, that happen in a muscle part of the meat, but fat is also the important component yes. of meat, which I thought is kind of the missing part. And then, you know, what's, you know, especially missing was the seafood fat. Yeah, so for my for myself, you know, the difference from all my previous, you know, companies and my startups that I've worked on, something really different is that this is a lot more towards B2B and really upstream. So we are creating something that's more innovative, something new, something novel. And my previous experiences has always been in B2C businesses. So I have always been really downstream and speak to customers directly, you know, talk about all the final food products and everything about trend, about all the, you know, the shops and all this. So it's really interesting for me. It's like really going back all the way up to the upstream and like, you know, go to the source and come up with something new and all this thing. Yeah. So I think it's a very interesting aspect so that, but I can see like how I can actually connect both together. Yeah. So after all, in the future, all the downstreams are actually where our potential partners and also our potential customers as well. So I can feel them. I know what they feel. I know what they're looking for. Yeah. So that's something that I hope I can contribute based on my experience as well. Okay. Excellent. How big is Impact Fat now in terms of employees? We have six co-founders. Yeah, so the six co-founders part-time and full-time. So I think I'm one of the only main full-time for now, especially on the business aspect. So we have Dr. Shigeki and also we have Lemony. We have Cheryl, who is a food scientist, and she will be seconded into Impact Fat um, soon as well. And we also have a few technical scientists, so laboratory offices that is full-time on board together with us as well, and some interns on board too. So yeah, we change depend, depends on it, our needs, I would say. So not so much of a business aspects kind of um, employees at the moment, because I think we are still more of a research development and like, you know, trying to scale up in the moment. But in the coming one to two years, probably we'll develop a lot more into the business marketing aspects as okay. well. Mm. Okay, thanks. Let's go back to the, the fish fat technology. You talked about like the alternative protein fat field, and I mean, in addition to protein, like you said, our bodies need fat and our bodies need good fat. Why now? Was there any, let's say, breakthroughs in your lab or breakthroughs in the whole fat community that brought us here now or just something natural happened and it was time? Yes, I think it, you know, now is the right time, definitely, because of the emergence of the novel food, okay. especially alternative meat and cultivated meat. And we definitely need a fat part to complement in 
you know, both sides, or even the plant-based meat as well. But when we, you know, try to look at the healthy fat options, it's limited, right? We, we can probably make a fat out of the livestock cells. The technology was there, but the technology to make a fish fat was not there. So that's, that is why we started uh, three years ago, yeah, with the support from the governmental program called Singapore Food Story okay. R&D program. And of course, ESTA was quite supportive in uh, that direction as well. Okay, so, so livestock was possible, but the, 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 the fish fat is just a, a lot more recent. What fish species are you using? Yeah, so currently we mainly focus on the two species. The first species we started to work on was so-called Pangasius catfish, also called pating locally, which is a popular in Southeast Asia, a lot of, you know, catch in the uh, Mekong River. Okay. And it's also fatty fish, you know, fatty fish, so it's very popular. So we got a very good cell line out of Pangasius catfish. And the second cell line we established from is Unagi, so Japanese eel. And yeah, so both we got very good cell lines and, you know, due to different reasons, we particularly focus on these two, but we also work on uh, other species. Okay. And I mean, what, well, you, you mentioned a little bit, I mean, just to confirm, you chose these because you were able to get the cell lines and they're fatty to start with. You know, the reasons why you chose yeah, these Yes, so a few other reasons. The most important reasons in both species are endangered species. Okay. So there is a yeah, good reason to work on to save, you know, more lives. And the second reason we got a very good cell line. So in terms of growth rate and in terms of efficiency to make a fat cells out of the same thing. Okay. Actually, another reason also that it's because we started the whole work during the pandemic period. So there was a uh, limited resources that we can actually get from like other kind of fishes that we can only get from like, you know, Europe or other regions. There was a little bit of limitations from there. And this fish is actually pretty uh, popular locally and also one that we can get whole of it so that we are able to start our research. So basically we started during that period of time and these are the fishes that we can actually get through as well. Okay. So it worked out, I mean, practicality and <laughs> they're good for your products. Yeah. Or do you have any key patents? In this, how does this work actually in getting, let's say, the cell lines and the fat lines from the fish and then cultivating it into, I assume, yeah, multiplying them? Yeah. So it started with uh, research at ESTA, so that uh, the first patent was faster side. Okay. So we basically established the new cell lines, stem cell lines from different fish species because, because before that, there has been no fish fat cell lines okay. available and established. So we got to establish ourselves. And then second aspect of the patent is the growth condition. So we find out how to grow these stem cells like, and expand in number, which is different from the typical you know, culture conditions used in mammalian cells. And third, you know, we call differentiation conditions. So differentiation means we need to convert these stem cells back to the fast cells. Because fast cells, actually, they don't grow in number. So we have to grow the stem cells and then convert them into mature fat cells. And this condition is also different from mammalian okay. protocol. So we have to establish and then file the patent. And, and this is all the work that, that you've been doing in your lab in ASTAR? Yes, in the lab at ASTAR okay. was the one who established that. Are these literally cells in petri dishes, as a starting point, cells in petri dishes that you're establishing and then, and then growing and multiplying? Or is it maybe a little bit more complex than that? I mean, not, not complex. I mean, obviously your conditions are complex, but as, as a visualization when you're starting out, is it cells in Petri dishes? 
Uh, yeah, so that, of course, the standard condition we establish in culture in cells are on 2D, right, on a flat, like on a monolayer flat culture. But uh, to scale up, you know, you cannot continue to work on like 2D conditions. So that is why we also establish 3D culture conditions so that it can be, you know, scalable. And we need, you know, different kind of the system, like suspension culture, for example, to expand and differentiate the stem cell into mature fast cells. So when you then need to, let's say, go to the 3D conditions, is this still part of what you've developed or then do you need to in-license some technologies as well? Yeah, so the, the research work at ESTA, yeah, we had the basic you know, protocol for that. And then the impact part, we've further developed and optimized and scale up. Okay. So when you're scaling up, can you tell us without telling your secrets, what, what does that look like? Are these like then cells in a suspension in a vat? Yes. So we will culture the cells in suspensions and in a, a vessel called bioreactors. First, we use a spinner flask, but then uh, to scale up, we need to use the machines like called bioreactors. Um, then, yeah, we can produce a lot more than those in a 2D flask. Okay. So how, how big is a bioreactor? Yeah, so right now we work on the minimum volume so that uh, yeah, we can find the best conditions okay. uh, in a lab scale. So it's a sub one liter level. But what impact flat you know, try to achieve is first in a pilot scale of one to 10 liter level. The final product is really look a little bit more like a semi-solid kind of format. So after, the, after we do everything and we extract out, and yeah, so I believe that we can optimize and we can also like, you know, see what kind of product that we are going to work together with. And then after the final form, we can actually modify it into different kind of like solid or like even liquid or et cetera, or even powder and et cetera. But currently what we have is actually a semi-solid kind of fat. Okay, we have. a semi-solid fat. <laughs> yes. Literally. Yeah. So maybe not too appetizing to look at, but I assume very beautiful under the microscope and in properties. You then have this semi-solid fat, and then how do you turn that into a product? You talked about starting out as B2B, so then you need partners to incorporate this into a food product or a supplement or something. Yes, that's right. So uh, we actually had, we actually launched um, one of our food tasting last year. So what we did is that we actually incorporate our fat into a plant-based fish product. So we just simply mix it in, yeah, and then after that we fry it. So that's actually how we incorporate it. So there are a few ways that we can actually incorporate into a food product. It depends if we want it to be structured or unstructured. But currently we're working on unstructured, so just simply mixing actually works as well. So it improves the texture and etc. and even like flavor, aroma. But of course, in the future, when we have other kind of technology, like, you know, 3D printing, bioprinting, etc. And we will be able to do structured kind, which is like, you know, like Wagyu beef, you know, okay. the marbling. So where you can actually see the fat yes. in the... Of, yeah. of the food. Yeah, that's right. So that's one of the directions that we can work together towards that part as well. But of course, the most simplest part is just mixing it. That will be one of the first ones that I think we can foresee it to happen sooner. Yeah. And then what about, let's say, as a consumer, we often see fish fat in, in the little capsules as, as dietary supplements. Is your fish fat, cultivated fish fat, a replacement or possible replacement for that as well? Yes, definitely. So apparently on top of like what we are currently doing for alternative meat, Definitely, supplement was one direction that we are looking at. And on, on top of this, there's another direction that we are also looking at is also cosmetic products. 
which is actually non-consumable products that we think that we can actually work on as well. So these are the three main areas that we are actually focusing on and we can see ourselves um, help a lot. Yeah. Okay, so food, supplements and cosmetics. Yes. Okay, so what type of regulatory approvals do you need for entering these markets? Yeah, so there, is, there are different pathways for different uh, products, for, but as a food, we need to clear the regulations by Singapore Food Agency, okay. SFA, because this is regarded as a novel food. So yeah, we have been working with SFA uh, on these regulations and comply with all the you know, guidelines related to the safety of the products. And yeah, happily so far, we haven't really seen a major concern you know, in our process. Okay. So, I mean, you mentioned you had that tasting product last year. So does that mean, let's say, you cleared Singapore Food Agency or that was kind of a sandbox and you still have more regulatory turtles to clear? More to go. Yes. So basically that was our approval from SFA for the tasting only. Okay. So they do have some of the requirements and as a that we have to, we have to do in order to clear, get cleared for that tasting event and also you know, some of the things that we have to follow. But for the product itself to get approved completely to be able to sell on the market, there will be a lot more things that will need to be done and also will need to be checked as well. So on top of SFA, they are, this is only for Singapore, definitely, but we are actually looking into expansion in other countries as well. So all the countries have their own regulation body. So that's also one of the problems, that's one of the things that we have to take note when we want to expand into various countries, for example, like United States. FDA, for example, yes. that is one that we will have to get approvals from. So that is also probably the next step that ImpactFed will be heading towards too, as well. Okay, thanks. Just one other thing, going back to putting your cultivated fish fat into the product, are we talking like subgrams or grams, like single grams in, in per serving? What type of, let's say, levels, or is it just like regular fish? In a regular fish, we, it really depends on the type of fish and or even individual to individuals. Yeah. And actually, the yeah, many fishes fat does not exist in isolation. They are part of the body. For example, part of the muscle, you know, okay. fat is found. What we can do is we can actually make a fish fat out of the, like, the cell, so we can only you know make the fat part and enriched in a nutrition like omega three fatty acids and uh, lipophilic vitamins, like vitamin A, vitamin D, and E. Were you talking about like how much fat do we put into the final product? Yeah, maybe we can go from that angle. In your tasting, I, I saw the photos. It yeah. kind of looks like a tofu ball or something. <laughs> yeah. That's, I don't know, you know, 20 grams, 30 grams like in that. size. <laughs> so how much of that would be your product? Just like one gram? Yeah, Is about there. So we, instead of talking about like how many grams and etc., we look at the percentage. Okay. Yeah, so we, for that product itself, we put in about like 10%. Of the total. So if it is a 10 gram, it will be one gram inside. That is actually fair. But definitely in the future, how much we're going to put in into the product depends on how big the product is going to be. And then we look into the percentage and how much, what pre, I mean, what kind of product is well. So for example, if it is a premium product like sushi, like a Toro sushi, fatty tuna, a fatty tuna that definitely have a lot more percentage, probably can up to like 30%, 40% as well. So it depends on the products. Shitly. Yeah, so we will see how much we will have to put in. So one of the reasons why the tasting was actually such a small portion also because uh, we were still in 2D and we were not yet scaling up at the moment. Yeah, so so there is a limited amount that we can really produce. That's why from the percentage point of view and all this, so we back calculated. Yeah, okay. so that's the reason why we actually have a smaller portion for the tasting event. Yeah. Okay. 
That makes sense. Can we talk about cultivated fish fat versus, I'll say, traditional or, or farmed fish fat? One thing that I've thought about, and please correct me if I'm wrong, we often talk about, in terms of fish now, we also talk about microplastics and health concerns. I assume your cultivated fish fat negates that concern. Is that a big part of your USP? Or, and what other parts of you, a unique selling point? Besides, let's say, the strictly, let's say, non-animals you guys have versus farmed fish fat. Exactly. I think that is one of our main advantages yeah, so that we can tackle with environmental issues because often the fishes, including fish fat, you know, products contaminated with, you know, for example, heavy metals like mercury and microplastic you mentioned and pathogens, right? It also contain some virus and bacteria. So, but on the other hand, our products are free from that and we can really monitor you know, these very easily. Okay, so w is it fair to say you're zero in all of this or because you still have, let's say, the origin of the of the real fish in your product, you can never say absolute zero, but for all practical purposes, it is zero? In terms of the pathogens, we can say, yeah, it's zero. And microplastic, it can be zero. For heavy metal, it can be very minimal, much lower than those found in a wild, you know, caught fishes. Can you reach price parity with farmed fish fat? I mean, obviously not today, not this yeah. year, not next year, but in your projections and in what you show your investors, they obviously have to see when you get to market and when you scale, is your product price competitive? Honestly, I think definitely yes. That's one of the reasons is that, you know, for fish, farm fish fat itself, they have too many costs that really need to be like involved throughout the whole processes. For example, land costs, maintenance costs, Fish growing takes so long and like the whole processes and all the, you know, electricity, all everything, you know, involved, the manpower involved as well. Everything are cost. So basically the opportunity cost for a farm fish fat is a lot higher compared to us. So for us, we are able to actually produce it within two weeks, for example. And after we scale up, you know, after we get all our capex, definitely it's a one-time cost. But then we save a lot more cost in a limited space, limited manpower, and limited time. We can produce a lot more without killing of any fishes, without all this, you know, all the pollutions and all the antibiotics and all these kind of problems that can actually happen through like farm farm fishes. So definitely, like you know, if we were to consider like you know, how long do we take to grow a fish? Definitely, it's a lot lower cost compared to that. And we will definitely be able to reduce the cost as well, especially when we, this whole industry, the cultivated industry, is actually achieve more of like economies of skills. Yeah, so everybody will reduce at the same time. Yeah. We talked briefly before. You mentioned you have started as, as a B2B with the, the food, the supplement, the cosmetics. Do you know which one comes first? Well, this is a very good question. <laughs> Of course, I mean, we all wish that food will come as the first because that's where we actually started off as well. That's where we want to go to. But this one is highly um, reg regulated. So it really has to depend on how fast we can actually get all the clearance from all the regulatory body from each country as well. So that affects how fast we can actually go to the food market. Otherwise, I think a cosmetic market might actually be one of the market that can come earlier as it is actually a non-consumable. So the regulation part will be a lot different and also less straight because it's also like, you know, it's not something that we eat and into our body. Yeah, so we will have to see. Like, we hope that we can get regulation clearance soon so that we will definitely love food product as well. Yeah. Okay. So when, when, when you, let's say, are, are talking to partners, an actual consumer product, 
what quantity do they say that they need from you? It's, it's going to be all a little bit differently, but just maybe give a generic yeah. example. Yeah, so I mean, pretty basic, like the first testing, product development testing, usually it started with kgs, at least one kg, two kg, three kg, you know, for them to start testing in their products. So yeah, that's also one thing that we hope that we can achieve after we, can, we scale up in our seed round as well. Okay, so when, when do you expect to be able to hit kg levels? Yeah, this so, year or next, still next year? Yeah, right now we are working to get the pilot scale. Once we can get the pilot scale in the next one to two years, then we can get to the kilogram level. Yeah. Once you get to market, how do you continue to, to scale? Is it just more, more reactors and kind of more products that you can partner to, to get your fish fat into? Or is, it, is there more to it than just volume for scaling your business? So there are two ways of you know, increase the productions. Yeah, first, of course, we continue to scale up to 100 liters, 1,000 liters, so by increasing the volume. Another way we are working right now with some partner is to increase the efficiency of production. And uh, we can actually come up with a whole different kinds of the system, you know, using, you know, using bioreactor, but the different you know, systems so that, uh, you know, we can very efficiently, you know, cultivate our fish fat in more condensed manner so that we can increase the yield, you know, with the same volume. Okay. And then, I mean, you said it takes about two weeks. Can, can you also compress the time also? Or It's also possible, yeah. But in general, yeah, we can safely say our process will take one to two weeks, like in between. Okay. And then I'm just curious, when, when you're starting a new batch, do you always need to go back to the original cell line or do you use some leftovers from the previous batch? In the quality control point of view, it's better for us to start with a new vial. So we, you know, always store the cells in the storage vial, you know, store in the liquid nitrogen. So we always start from there because we already know the quality is assured. So we start from there and then feed into the bioreactors. So for that, I think it's more reproducible and we know that, you know, all the quality is assured in that way. Can we talk about your partners? I understand you probably can't maybe say too specific. You, you talked a little bit about potential food partners or potential process partners. What do you look for when, when, when you're looking for these partners? It's a new area also. So, you know, it's a bit of a risk for, for them also to, to talk to you or to develop this with you. What, what, what do you look for in these partners? So I would say at the moment, currently, we are looking for a lot more partners that is more in research and development basis especially to help in reduce costs, to replace into more edible sauce or like to make it like more sustainable, you know, the whole way that we're going to do it. So like, for example, for now, it's probably a lot more of like media formulations and etc. And yeah, we all want to reduce costs, right? So that's one of the key things that we are working on at the moment. But definitely the next phase after this, this stage is done, when we scale up, then we will need process partners. And after the process partners, you know, we scale up to a certain quantity, then we look for product partners. Yeah, so there are a few different stages that we're working on. So of course, for now, we are still at the cutting cost and we're looking into the process part. Yeah, so like transition into that part at the moment. Yeah, fortunately, I see that many companies, right, even you know, outside the field of biotech started to come into this industry and started to work on this area, even those, you know, MNCs, big companies. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we are in discussion with many companies right now to reduce the cost and establish the scale-up production. Just curious, I mean, on, on the processes, I mean, I assume a lot revolves around the, the bioreactor. 
is it an off-the-shelf purchase or is it like pure customization for, for what you need? We still need a more bioreactor that is customized for cultivated meat production. So traditionally, right, those bioreactor available ones are manufactured and specific for the use of biologics productions and uh, cell therapy. So it's also like a nascent area for production equipment also. Yeah, that's right. that's right. So that yeah, many companies started to optimize and customize for the cultivated meat. Okay, so we talked a little bit already about what you need from your partners, how you get to market in these different areas. Where do you see the company in the next three years? And then maybe if, if you can dream five to 10 years from now. So the next three years, definitely I would like to see Impacta to you know, achieve the pilot scale productions, ready, to, ready for commercial scale. And at the same time, reduce the cost significantly. 10 years from now, yeah, we like to see many fish fat related products in the market so that, you know, people start to realize, oh, fat is actually, you know, really good. <laughs> yeah. So for myself, in the coming three years, definitely I hope that there are already a few products that we can safely say that, you know, this is a product that we have already developed and we co-developed with some other partners, for example, in cosmetics and food-wise, we have product that can represent impact that. That's one thing that I really hope that we can achieve in the coming three years with, in terms of product development. In the coming 10 years, I want to see our product to be everywhere. <laughs> I believe that in fact, like this fat, right, cultivated fat is for everyone. It's not only for vegan. It can actually be for like in all kinds of products out there, not only cultivated meat, not only like plant-based meat, but you know, so many other products that require fat content. We want to see how we can actually create some impact into the whole food industry instead of just, you know, just a small part of it or like, you know, just a fish fat, etc. Probably we can go out even more. Yeah. Yeah. As we become more aware of our diets, we get influences from everywhere. But yeah, fat and, and good fat is needs to be part, needs to absolutely be part of what we eat, what we consume. Can you share your only one year in, into your partnership? You could say it's still quite green or quite fresh. Do you have any lessons that, that you've learned over this last year that, that you'd like to share with our audience? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I think I wish I could have started even earlier. Yeah, because, you know, then, yeah, we could, you know, develop you know, even more right, in R&D and so on. So when you say earlier, I mean, even started the R&D earlier or just R&D earlier? R &D R&D earlier. earlier than the three years ago. For myself, I think I've learned a lot, like really a lot. So one year ago, I see that, you know, that's only one thing that we can do and that's only one goal that we're going towards and etc. But then throughout the one year, I spoke to many people and I'm, I have seen our company grow as well, you know, in the progress in that product development, I mean like research and development. And I see a lot more potentials and I know a lot more in these industries, you know, like alternative proteins, for example, like what everyone is doing and what kind of thing that we can actually explore and all. So we all improve along the way, especially on our company itself as well. So we all realign and we restructure and reposition and we grow. So yeah, in a short one year, last one year, I think we have been through so much of that and to achieve another step that, you know, where we want to go next step. Can you say what's going well and what's, what do you think maybe could have gone a little bit better in, in, in the last 12 months or so? In the technical aspects, yeah, I can only say, I think our R&D in general has been, you know, progressing well so far. And that is why I wish that we could have started earlier, then yes. we could have even developed further. But I think the 
you know, challenging right now is how to scale up. So we like to, you know, really spend our efforts in how we can scale up our, you know, protocol. It is scalable, but uh, yeah, we like to, you know, put more efforts and you know, raise enough fun to have a scale up productive, you know, capability. For myself, I think fundraising. <laughs> I mean, like this is probably the same problem for most of the people in this industry at the moment. That's also like, not only this industry, I think it's a worldwide problem kind of thing because of the economic situations and all, and like all the VCs, you know, are a little bit more careful and also they have different kind of choice, different kind of considerations and all this. So I thought that like, you know, I, I hope I can done a lot earlier and a lot better in terms of like getting to know what VCs is really looking for it. Because I feel that like, you know, we started fundraising like a few months ago and we learn along the way when we speak to different kind of investors, what they are looking for. And we learn along the way from the feedback from each investors as well. I hope we can gain, gain that a lot faster, a lot earlier, so that we can have a lot more productive and a lot more possibilities and we can do this a lot faster as well. Yeah, for the company. As, as a side question, in your previous businesses, did you need to fundraise as well? Uh, not or quite for us. Yeah, so a slightly different structure. So we didn't really go through fundraising part. So we do partnerships generally and like joint ventures and etc. So slightly different model. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks. So we're at the end of the interview, but before we fully wrap up, anything else you want to share about Impact Fat, your journey so far or your journey into the future? Yeah, I think, you know, we think this is an exciting industry, still very new, but I I think this is also the field that we need to work together with many other parties in the different you know, areas because this is the interdisciplinary field and not just the biotech you know, techniques is sufficient. We need uh, you know, very different skill sets to develop you know, our industry. So yeah, we really love to work with you know, many like-minded people to work yeah, even harder together. I'm Andy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a very sensory kind of person. So sensory is really important for me, like in terms of like texture, body and etc. That's what I actually do in coffee as well. So to bring back to impact, I really feel the more I learned about TechPerfect's technology in terms of like with a technical team together, the more I think that this is actually quite a game-changing company, a game, change, game changer in this whole industry. I wish that like, you know, a lot more people to know the importance of it the fat and etc. and what we can really potentially do. And I, I feel that like, you know, in this industry, everybody is working so hard, but like public wise is still a little bit um, lagging behind in terms of education and awareness regarding the industries like this. I really hope that like, you know, we one day we can reach out to a, a lot more people to let people see the importance of it and like why we are doing this as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks. And if our audience wants to find out more about Impact Fat, where can they find you either physically or online? Yeah, you can find us at ASTAT Central. <laughs> yes, that is at nearby Fusion Ophelis here. Or that's physically, but of course, you can always reach out to us through our LinkedIn. And we are always on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. And even through emails as well. So on our website as well. Yeah, so we will be reachable and we will reply you as well. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, thank you, Mandy. Thank you, Shigeki, for your time this afternoon. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. And with that, thanks for listening. Please hit like and subscribe wherever you are getting your podcasts. Thanks for joining us for our launch series. And be sure to look out for future episodes as we explore the intersection of science, technology, and business 
in the growing Singapore deep tech scene together.